You're listening to All In, the podcast where I share what I learn as well as dive into what motivates the world's most passionate minds. All right, listen up for today's dose of inspiration. David, uh, thank you so much for jumping on today. Uh, for uh, our audience, uh, I'd love for you to just share a little bit of your background. And I know you have a lot of sales and marketing background and experience. So I think that would be great. And I have a couple of questions we can just kind of dive in if that's okay with you. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I'll start off by saying that I'm a, I'm a lifelong sales professional. I uh, started out in sales right after my undergrad after I pretty much swore that I would not get into sales. And part of the reason why was I had some pretty bad experiences with salespeople at an early age. So you can think of all the you know, snake oil, slimy, pushy, sleazy. Everything this was my mess. thought. Yeah. <laughs> and this was my thought of what you needed to be like. You know, as I got into it, I also saw the other side, which is that you get to interact with people, you get to help people solve problems. And I'm certainly not ashamed, although I was in the beginning. I think there are a lot of salespeople that also may be a little timid to say this, but it's a great way to make a living. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and there's a lot of people that need help, which is one of the reasons I'm creating this content is that I come across, you know, we generate leads, right, for our campaigns or, that we're working on. We hand these leads to really, really either qualified or unqualified salespeople. And in the business, we'll never get any return if they don't know what they're doing from the sales department. So I listened to some of the calls and I'm thinking to myself, well, boy, would they, <laughs> could they use some sales training? Maybe I have to bring the training to them. <laughs> you know, That's yeah. really the, the driver there because I can generate all the leads in the world, but I cannot make them sign the dotted line. That's just where marketing ends and sales picks up, right? Really understanding yep. if there's a fit, understanding the budget, understanding the need. And then finding out if they can even help them. But the fact of the matter is the ROI part doesn't ever get anywhere unless that sale closes, right? Nothing I do is literally bringing the money other than driving quality leads. So what advice would you give to somebody who might be starting up as a sales rep in a company? Maybe it's their first job. Or what are some things that you see that common mistakes, man, that maybe you can share a couple of experience? I'd love to hear your stories if you have any. Well, I made, I made a ton of mistakes. And uh, I think that you know, I think about when I first started, you get trained on the products that you're selling. And depending upon what you're selling, it could be really, really technical. So you spend a lot of time really understanding the nuances of, of the product. And I think as a result of that, you wind up thinking of the selling opportunity or the sales call as a, you know, the place for you to have to prove to the person you're talking to how much you know how much information you know, how much you can demonstrate how your product differs from competitors. And so I would say the biggest mistake I made in the very beginning was that I talked way too much, Mm. way too much. And some of it came from a place of just insecurity. I was really young and I had a client base that was significantly older. So I think that first piece of advice I'd give to anybody who's going out there selling is that while it's certainly important for you to understand the nuances of your product, um, I think that what you really need to do is just take a step back and put that to the side and focus on the person it is that you're talking to and try to figure out what's most important to them. And then at that point, you start to sprinkle in the features of your product, touching on the things that are most relevant to them. So I would say biggest thing is to recognize that It's really more about what information you can gather, not the information that you can give. 
Wow, that's deep. That's probably what I would say almost all of us were making. We uh, asked this question when a client asked me, well, how much do you charge? That's a common question I get, especially from smaller businesses. They're very price sensitive. They have a budget. They can't go above. And I used to be like, hey, client, it costs X, Y, Z. And today I'll be like, well, certainly understand that budget is top priority for you. I want to get to the pricing. I want to make sure that we're going to talk about that. But would it be all right if I ask you a few questions to make sure if I could even help you? (laughs) I know how to say that today, but I never knew how to say that two years ago, maybe three years ago, because I just literally blurped out the number and say, next, you know, what what other question do you have? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you have to answer it super fast. Like you're going to win something. Yep. And I like what you did there. I think what you're probably aware of, right, is that you, um, and, and this would be another lesson and something that David Sandler himself is probably one of his favorite, most famous quotes is, you know, people buy emotionally and they justify the decision intellectually. But what happens is they approach the buying conversation from an intellectual standpoint. And so that price question is intellectual, purely intellectual. So what you said there, and I love it, is that you said, well, it sounds like price is important. I mean, you never want to discount anything that the person is bringing up. And we can definitely get there. But you know, before we even start talking about pricing, I, I guess I'd just like to see what it is you're trying to accomplish. And in doing that, what you're helping me is the buyer is shift away from the intellect and move me into more of a position of emotion. Really try to figure out what's driving this and what would be personal and compelling. Because if there's nothing personal and compelling, it doesn't make a difference whether what you charge is five cents, $500 or $5 million. Right. It's irrelevant. So I would say that that's also a, another big lesson, which you know, great to hear that you picked it up, is that move away from the intellect and try to really figure out what's the emotion behind why somebody would want to buy something. Because if you can get to that, then they justify the cost part of it. And that's much easier to do when you have the emotion piece first. Yeah, that's deep. Any other quotes from David Sandler now that we talked about it (laughs) that you really hold to heart? (laughs) Uh, There's so many. How long have you been doing training before I forget? How long have you been Um, doing this? So I've had my Sandler franchise now coming on eight years. That's awesome. And I left. I had a 17-year. I like to say I'm a corporate refugee. I left an organization, great organization, Pfizer. They provided us with a, a lot of training. Got a really good foundation. I spent a good portion of my time at Pfizer in sales leadership. Although I did, as I mentioned, start out in sales. And, and within that, I did a little stint in sales training. We were not trained um, on Sandler. The approach was very much a traditional convincing approach. Sure. Let me tell you the reasons why you should consider writing ABC drug for your patient. And then at the time that I left Pfizer and I was exploring different options, I had always had a passion for coaching and training salespeople. And in my opinion, regardless of whether or not you stay in sales, I believe that having really sound selling skills is by far one of the most important skill sets that you will ever need, whether you stay in sales, if you become a CEO, that is such an important skill set. So in any event, as part of my um, exploration into what I wanted to do for the next chapter, I was exposed to Sandler, I like to say almost on accident, and I just love the business model. Essentially, it's a business where you have to go out there, you have to prospect for clients, you go on sales calls, and if you happen to be good at those first two, then you train your clients. And you train them on all the things that you did to get their business in the first place. So I just love that credibility loop. 
And I think that what really pushed me over the, the finish line in terms of deciding to purchase a Sandler franchise is when I started going into the content. And here's the part that probably did it for me the most. And this is maybe another lesson for, for salespeople. Um, I think one of the attributes that salespeople have, and it's an important attribute, is that they are competitive by nature. So that's helpful and hurtful. It's certainly helpful in the sense that it drives you to keep going out there and doing behaviors. But if you bring that competition into a sales call, it could be hurtful. And so I'll give you an example. You know, oftentimes we were asked a question by a client, I am currently using ABC product. Tell me the reasons why I should consider using yours. And I looked at that and it's, here's my chance. Let me well up my chest. Let me dust off. All right. And let me start. And I would, oh, well, here are the reasons why you should use us because our clinical studies show that in comparison to product A, we're significantly superior. On top of that, we have the convenience of flexible dosing. And then I started reading the Sandler content and the response to that question blew me away. Person says, working with ABC company or using ABC product with good results. Uh, give me the reasons why I should use yours. And right there, Sandler said, I don't know if you should. Maybe you should stay with ABC company or ABC product. It just was such a, a difference in mindset. It was like, wow, <laughs> right. pushing somebody away from the sale is actually more impactful because it gets them to sell themselves. And uh, also to your point about the pattern interrupt, it's something that they're not used to hearing. Very guess, true. You know, why should I use your company or why should I work with you? And you just paused for a moment and said, well, that's a really good question. And I can certainly give you a whole bunch of reasons why. But I guess until I know a little bit more about you and what you're trying to accomplish, I, I can't say definitively that you should. And I just think it diffuses all of the pressure that's associated with sales, right? The buyer, they're worried that the salesperson is going to try to use some sort of manipulative technique. And the salesperson's feeling all this pressure of like, how do I close this? And I think what lies in the middle is, let's just get to the truth. Right. And the truth may be that you should stay with what you're doing because what you're doing works for you. Yeah, there's a lot of things that come to mind, especially as we talked about the pattern interrupt. The first thing that I had to learn is the upfront contract. I never used to do that. Would just go out, you know, answer any questions. I just felt like this is an interview of some sort. Like anything you ask me, I'm not allowed to ask you anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yep. My job is to answer and hopefully I get hired. Just right. it's not Sandler. And uh, you're right. And obviously I want to ask you about the pattern interrupt. And you have a very specific way of doing a cold call. I love to hear that because I can't get enough of it, David. So if you don't mind, the way that you conduct a call, when you're calling somebody right out of the blue, they've never heard of you. And mm -hmm. what a typical person would say and what a David say, just you. Yeah. <laughs> would love and to let hear me, that. <laughs> let me also preface this. I think one of the other great things about being part of Sandler is that we're part of a network, a network of Sandler trainers that are all out there doing the same thing. We're practitioners of the methodology. So, you know, I just want to say first and foremost that... <laughs> Any of these things I'm sharing are not things that I myself thought of. Uh, these were things right. I heard. I went with it. You know, I think for anybody who is out there working on their profession, i.e. selling, you have to look at this as trial and error. You have to figure out what's going to be most relevant for you. So you know, a couple typical ones. I mean, I'll start with one before you even get to the person you're talking to. You know, let's say I were to call and your admin answered. And they would say Solomon's office, right? I mean, however they would answer the phone. Exactly. And immediately they person this, and you know it's a salesperson. They say, uh, hi, I'd like to speak with Solomon, right? And then there's this flow of questions that the gatekeeper takes you through. 
What's this in reference to? Where are you calling from? Does he know that you're calling? And I think just something super easy is to say, uh, hi, this is Dave Fisher. Who am I speaking with? Right. And then all of a sudden the gatekeeper stops for a moment and they say their name. And now you can use that as part of the process. So if, you know, let's just say you, you know, name, name Solomon. Oh, Solomon, I was hoping you can help me out. You know, I was looking to speak with uh, David, but uh, I'm guessing he's already in a meeting. And I interrupted the pattern a second time because I already brought up the thing that you probably were going to say anyway, right? Is right. he available? No, oh, no, he's in a meeting. I'm guessing Solomon's in a meeting. Oh, no, no, he's not. Okay, but he's probably busy at this point. I, I think he's available. Great, I'd love to speak with him. So when you say things that are a little bit different that people have a heart, they don't know how to react to it. So that would be some examples of what you could do when you're getting a, a gatekeeper. I would say that um, when you get the actual person, and I'm going to go through a couple of them. And by the way, I think that the thing I always tell my clients is that our job as Sandler trainers is to give you sheet music. And it's really up to you to figure out how you want to play the tune. Improvise. And what do I mean by that is you may hear some of these things. And I heard a lot of things going through my training where I said, I would never say that. And we never encourage our clients to say things that they're not comfortable with. So one of the first ones that I use is a person says, hello. And I say, hi, this is Dave Fisher. I'm looking for some help. And more often than not, the response to that, well, I'll ask you. I mean, if somebody were to say that to you, how would you respond to it? I'm happy to help you. That's who yeah, I like, am. How can <laughs> I help can, you? Yeah, what, what do you What need? can I help you with? What do you need? And why that's a little bit different is in that moment, you're not quite sure. Is this a sales call? Is this maybe somebody who's calling you for your services? So I like that one. And you know, from there, I may say, well, you know, I'm not quite sure if you're the right person I should be speaking with. Uh, why don't I just take a moment? I'll tell you the reason why I reached out and then you can let me know. And again, at that point, maybe it doesn't sound like a sales call. Maybe you're tipped off that it could be. But all I said is I'm take a moment and tell you the reasons why I tell you the reason why I reached out. You can let me know if it's either you or someone else in your organization I can be speaking with. Um, I think another one that I hear pretty common is you'll say your name. Hi, Solomon, Dave Fisher, Sam or training. Wow. And I don't say anything else. And what that'll do is you'll either say, okay. And then I'll say, I'm guessing my name doesn't ring a bell. Wasn't expecting it to. Let me take a minute. I'll tell you the reason why I reached out. And we can see if it makes sense to speak at a later date. So that's another one. I'll give you one more, which is the humorous one. Uh, Hi, Solomon. This is Dave Fisher, Sandler Training. I'll be upfront with you. This is a sales call. Should I hang up first? Wow. (laughs) I like that one. Now, that last one is a little risky. If you don't like humor, don't try it. And, you know, every time I teach that in a session, there's always somebody that says, right, but what if they hang up on you right away? I'm like, they would have hung up on you right away anyway. That's true. Uh, you probably, you're going to get more people than not that will either laugh at that or they'll appreciate the fact that you're calling out what it is, you're being vulnerable. And and so those are just a couple of things that I've seen work that, pretty effectively. That's awesome. In the Sandler rules, uh, you and I chatted about one rule that you particularly liked. Now, I don't know if this is your favorite. I'm sure you like all of them. Is there one that you can share that just kind of sticks out for you than all the other ones? I would say that... You can't convince anybody of anything unless they discover it themselves. And that's, again, in the essence of Sandler. The whole premise behind Sandler is it's a framework in which you as the seller 
you allow the buyer to buy while you get yourself out of the way. So I went back to that example earlier. I should say, I'll go back to the example earlier. Currently working with ABC company, having some good results, but uh, always looking for some alternatives. I was hoping you could tell me the three reasons why we should consider your business or your company. And you know, most salespeople will take that bait and get excited and say, okay, well, let's first say that we define the market. We're the market leaders. Uh, we have best-in-class service, so on and so forth. And that's a convincing approach. And what that leads to is you, the buyer, then getting more and more ammunition to ask further questions about. And then inevitably, you take me down the path of, and what do you charge? And I think the discovery approach, which it's all about, well, you know, we certainly have a loyal following, and I can give you a number of reasons why people stay with us. But you mentioned you're already happy with ABC Company. And, you know, maybe you can share with me why you're even thinking of alternatives, because it may make sense for you to just stay with ABC Company. Now, when I pause, that's going to put you in a position to have to start explaining or justifying why you either want to stay or why you want to leave. And I think the other nice thing about that is it allows you as the buyer to really do more of the talking, more of the work, and for me to just sit back and determine where I want to take the conversation. And um, you know what I really appreciate about the Sandler model is if you run it well, then oftentimes the prospect says things like, okay, so what are the next steps? Or what should we be doing next? Or where do we go from here? And that to me is great because then it's their decision as opposed to if I were to say, tell you what, Solomon, I think I may have made some really good points here. Why don't I do this? Why don't I put some more time? Let's reconnect next week, even if it's just simple to check in. And now all of a sudden, I'm pulling you into probably a scenario you don't want to be in. And what you may do if you're a really nice guy, which I get the sense you are, just by the way you responded to my, I'm looking for help, you're probably going to be agreeable. Sure, that sounds good. But in reality, when the time comes to take that second call, you might decide, hey, something else something more urgent has come up, I'll have to reschedule. I'd much rather say something at the end of the call. Look, um, we've had a really nice discussion here, Solomon. Um, I don't know if there's really anything here that is worthwhile. This may have just been some really good information for you. I guess all I'm curious to know is, does it make sense for us to keep this conversation going? And now it's your discovery as to whether or not you want to. So, so that's why that rule is just always... They're all great rules, but that one in particular, I think it speaks to the core of the Sandler methodology. Yeah, and I feel the same way too. Many times as salespeople, we get into the trap that we have to do this magic work and we put ourselves under pressure for no reason. And we try to sell the wrong prospects at prices that we wouldn't even make any money on just because we feel like we're supposed to, right? And so I can understand how most people automatically, no matter how much sales training they have, like just product training, that is, they're just not going to be able to do the the work like you and I are saying, because many times, no matter how, even if you are a superior product, the customer still has to think about whether or not they want to buy and they want to invest and they want to feel like they're in control right? at the end of the day. And I think you would let them have control many, many times, then we as salespeople feel like we have to control the conversation, which is is a mistake that I guess everyone makes uh, early on. One question I want to ask you, Dave, is do you have a a book that you can recommend? I mean, I like people to start small, right? Go study something and (laughs) and maybe the light will go off. Anything that you can recommend somebody who's getting started today or want to get better, but maybe they can't come into a full-blown training program? 
well, I certainly got to be biased here. And I bring this book up simply because it was the book for me that helped me to crystallize my decision to purchase a Sandler franchise. And the book is entitled, You Can't Teach Your Kid to Ride a Bicycle at a Seminar. It's the book that was written by David Sandler. Uh, To me, that was the book that it really flipped selling on its head for me. I was so used to a certain way and it just really spoke to me. So I always tell clients that are thinking about Sandler, but perhaps they're just not in a place yet where they want to commit to training. Um, I say, read that book. If you are not aligned to the values and to the approach, then the training isn't the right fit for you. So I'll say that book, but I also do feel obligated to to say something that's non-Sandler. And the book that I continue to go back to is, and it's an old book, it's a classic, but Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, I think there's just, that book was written a really, really long time ago. And you always wonder about whether or not certain things still have meaning, still have relevance. And I think that all the points that that he talks about are completely relevant, if not more so today. So those would be two books I'd recommend people to start out with. And yeah, no, even within the Sandler collection, there's just so many great books. That's believe it or not, they, all you Sandler trainers are putting out good books. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> and they continue to make sense, especially if you wanted to dive deeper into that. It's like a great investment, in my opinion. I have a bunch of them. So, you know, asking the questions the Sandler way and so on, just like basic okay. stuff, right? The great things book. that you can, yeah, you can just pick it up and you don't have to spend a whole day trying to read it. Um, but yeah, any other final thoughts, Dave, that you can share with our audience today? It was a great conversation so far and dove into a lot more deeper than I wanted. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy. Those cold calling examples, that was amazing right there. I know that uh, sales folks that are listening to this will definitely want to use some of those things, right? Just learning how to get 1% every day. That's what I say. You got to get slightly better tomorrow than you are today. Use some of the knowledge and stuff like this that we do so they can improve themselves. I guess in closing, what I would say is... It's probably a couple of ways I could say it, but I think you know it really ties into what should your mindset. So actually, I'll serve this up in two different ways. I think that your mindset should not be, I need to make the sale. Rather, your mindset should be, my goal is to help the person I am interacting with make the best informed decision possible, even if that means not going with my solution. And I think another way to think about it is to know how you did this well, is if your buyer leaves a conversation with you feeling that your desire to help them make a well-informed decision was far greater than your desire to make a sale. And I believe that if you can communicate that, just by nature of being that way, you will make a good amount of sales. However, like I said, it shouldn't be the driving factor. Because that's what, in my opinion, leads to some of the more negative behaviors that turn people off to salespeople. Right. And that's a great point. So most of the time, again, people are thinking their quota, their sales, their compensation, their commission, whatever, (laughs) whatever I can say. Not so much, how can I help this person actually do the right thing that makes sense for their business? Putting their interest first, right? The end of the day, to me, that's what I say a lot. It's about the relationship. Joe, I don't care if we work together or not. There's nothing more in this world and love to have your business. But I want to make sure that this is the right thing for you. All of a sudden, it's a different conversation. And you know, we may or may not decide to do business at this point, but that guy's always going to think about me when he thinks about marketing or sales or whatever that I do. He's going to think about me because the way that I conducted myself was very different. right? I wasn't just a sales rep that came in and gave the offer and say, take it or leave it. I really wanted to be here 
long-term for this gentleman. So that's what you're suggesting is at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter, right? If your product is the right product or what they're doing with ABC company is probably what they ought to do. It's just how can you help them make a better decision? Yep. Telling them what, what, what they don't know or asking the question, helping them discover problems that they didn't even know they had. And I think when you have what you're describing as this emotional detachment to the outcome, I think the other thing it also enables you to do is as ask questions you would not have asked if you were emotionally attached. So I, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the, with the point that you made, right? At the end of the day, people have to, they have to trust you. They have to look at you as credible. And whether or not, if they don't have that, then you, you will not make a sale. Um, you can still be credible and trustworthy and the person doesn't buy from you. Um, I look at that as you've just built up some nice equity with that person for potential future business. Awesome. So thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate thank your you. time today. All right, cool. Really appreciate it. All My right. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to All In. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on your daily dose of inspiration. And now leave a review as well as share it with someone else. Go to my website and leave me a voice message with your questions, your thoughts, so I want to incorporate you into future episodes. That's all for today. Go out there and become who you're destined to be.